Hello there, and welcome to a seasonal special of Switch It, the podcast that's jingling its Ian Bells and decking the Wes Halls with boughs of holly furling. Before we, t- <laughs> Before we turn to wrapping presents, it's time to wrap the year. And while we couldn't quite stretch to three wise men, I am joined by a couple of cricket sages in Mark Butcher and Andrew Miller. Expect gold, frank good sense, and mirth galore. <laughs> that is assuming which has recovered from jet lag. Uh, how were the Perth and Adelaide tests by Mumbai? Ah, yeah, um, interesting. Interesting time differences. Uh, fortunately, great test matches. Had a couple of um, very good guests in Sonny Gavaska and Michael Clark who get me awake, mostly. Um, in the and, gym at 2am. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, good. A hell of a series. Um, India have, have kind of... Well, I've gone in as favourites, even with some of the Aussie um, pundits. Uh, although that is now looking slightly less uh, like less nailed on after their terrible selection in um, in Perth um, and an Australian side that have kind of been given enough belief that being at home will help them out against most people. So um, it should be a good series, the last two test matches. But um, Virat Kohli, genius at, uh, at Perth to make 100, it was a heck of an innings. Um, and Nathan Lyon is the best spinner in the world, no doubt. Well, there we go. And India didn't play one in Perth. And uh, Miller, uh, the temperature is always high in Australia, but the, the sledging has been a bit tepid. <laughs> it is ironic, isn't it? They've they spent the spent, uh, past couple of years grumbling about what may or may not have been said on, on the field involving Moeen Ali and Johnny Bairstow and all these outrageous slurs that have been flying around. Now suddenly everyone's getting, getting armed to the teeth with the most insipid banter I've ever heard in my life and somehow this is this is nuclear warfare I mean get over yourselves yeah. I mean either either have the stop mics and enjoy the fact we can hear what's going on or turn them off and let's get back to proper sledging I don't know I it's mean, a, incredible I, uh, during the I don't know I can't remember whether it was during the, the first or second test match they Rissab Pant was apparently causing untold mirth in the uh, in the Australian commentary boxes so they decided to do an entire over where they turned the stump mics up and nobody commentated now, lots of people really enjoyed this. I don't know whether it was because of the lack of commentary or because of Richard Pat, <laughs> you'd, have to, you'd have to ask them. Um, but I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, this is very, very dangerous stuff. You don't know what Richard Pant's going to say or what anybody else is going to say when they walk past the microphone. Yeah. I mean, you're asking for trouble. And lo and behold, two or three days later, it all kicked off because of stuff that was picked up on a very loud stump mic. Um, none of it meant for public consumption. None of it, um, none of it particularly funny or or upsetting really but it's all kicked off yeah. i mean come on people <laughs> seriously well, we we know what you think about these <laughs> shenanigans uh, well i mean the, the the other side of it is that it's kind of it's been coley that's kind of sparked it off he's actually given the australians a bit of a license to be more australian in the fact that he's he's carried on a little bit right um, in old, the field, old big head, <laughs> old big head in the pain. Uh, and the, the, the possibly weird, referred. The to weird him. thing is, is that people, you know, the, the, a lot of people have the have absolutely the wrong impression of Virat Kohli. I think, based on kind of his overexcitability on the field, because um, in terms of uh, the sort of gods of cricket, uh, particularly from from India, um, he's one of the only ones that, that I've ever come across who kind of go out of his way to come over and say hello, be you know, be polite, no, remember your name. You know, you might sorry, yeah. Yeah, I was playing against you yesterday. I have no idea who you are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's a kind of like he's a really sort of genuinely good guy um, who tends to sort of lose his 
marbles a bit when he's on the, when he's on the field. But that's no it's no excuse. But what it has done is it allowed the Australians to kind of do what they what they would always do and always should do, which is be a bit narky and a bit precious about other people being narky. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone carrying on like pork chops, indeed, as they say. Indeed. Um, for England's men, then this. This was the year of Alistair Cook hanging up his test apron, of James Anderson passing, Glenn McGrath. We saw the test team end their winless run away from home, and Owen Morgan's ODI men march on, uh, barring a slightly embarrassing defeat to Scotland. Uh, Miller, we, you know, we've followed them um, pretty closely from uh, the doldrums of Sin- <laughs> Sydney, where Australia sealed a, a 4 0 ashes, thumping to the giddy glory of Gaul, Palakele, and Colombo. Um, in a nutshell, what have been the standout themes of the, of the year for you? Standout themes, I suppose, are a final dropping of the penny about how this particular team of players need to play their test cricket. Because the one thing, the one thing I think we, you know, I, I've been fairly, uh, fairly fundamentalist about England's test cricket recently. I think it's been atrocious up until this year because finally this year they've realised that they are a team. You know, I said all along, I think they are. A, Individually, among the most talented players that have ever taken a field for England, you know, obviously you can throw in, you could throw the likes of Ian Botham and, and 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 various other names down in history into the team. But if you were to take this particular bunch of players and scatter them over history, any number of them would be an asset to any number of teams previously. But they were all playing collectively appalling Test cricket. You know, they were they were they didn't know how to structure innings. They didn't know how to close out a match. They didn't know how to save a game. And, and, you know, as a consequence, they were getting panned, particularly overseas. You know, obviously, their, their record going, coming out of uh, the, the defeat in New Zealand was well, what, nine, nine losses in 10, 11 games, wasn't it? So it was absolutely appalling. But they have finally twigged that, and that credit to a degree to Trevor Bayliss here, that the, he's, and, you know, this is where I, I regret that George has got the sniffles and so couldn't come down to argue the toss <laughs> on this one. But, you know, the fact is, Bayliss has clearly been advocating harder, faster, more positive intent in their test cricket and that has been lost in translation and ended up with slight mishmash of, of performances that some guys have tried to do one thing some guys have tried to do other in the latter end of the um, India series but more moreover in in, uh, in Sri Lanka we saw the, this come to fruition the fact that they have a team that can bat through to 10 means they have license to keep being aggressive not being reckless which I think is a big difference being aggressive, being positive, pushing on through innings, pushing on through collapses, thinking, nope, if we keep playing the right shot for the right ball, someone is not going to get unlucky, someone's going to get the six where they might just have been waiting to get the magic ball. You know, these, these, things, are, these things are falling into place. So whether that means they've, they've cracked test cricket, I don't know, but they've certainly, compared to the rabble they were, um, I, actually, I think that the deal was the, the Pakistan test at Lords earlier this year, which was, you know, to, to lose <laughs> on home soil. Uh, to Pakistan was a bit of a disgrace, frankly, given given the assets they have at, have at their disposal, and now they've come full circle and they're winning away. So uh, it's been a remarkable turnaround, but it's all come down to a, a change of change of mindset and and, and, and and arguably taking the mindset of the the one day team, but which yeah, arguably. You know, well, I mean, look, continue to be by by hook or by crook, and and um, new selection panel. Um, Ed Smith deserves some credit. They've got. Absolutely the right players playing, and I say by hook or by crook because there have been certain injuries that have allowed other other people to come to come into fruition where where otherwise they might have missed out. Josh Butler being in the team is absolutely one hundred percent correct, one hundred percent correct. Too good not to be not 
not to be in the side in one way or another. So bringing him back was a was a brilliant move. Jack Leach finally getting a go overseas as as, as spinner, absolutely correct. Um, Johnny Besto, this is the, the the by hook or by crook part. <laughs> Batting number three, scoring a hundred, not keeping wicket anymore. Um, you know Ben Folks has come up on the rails. What what's undeniable is that that England have all of the right components in terms of the players. They've got fabulously talented players doing all kinds of different jobs in the team. Um, and what has happened by the end of, of, of this sort of cycle, or the end of this year, has been that through injury, luck, fortune, misfortune, whatever, they've kind of all ended up doing the job that they should be doing. Whether or not this continues going into <laughs> next year is, a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is something different. Um, you know, Moeen Ali, as a bowler, has finally become a guy that you can rely on to do just that. I think the time has come that they can they can stop experimenting with putting him up the order. He needs to be England's number one spin bowler who bats at seven or eight, wherever it might be. Um, and then you can you can have a batting order that kind of looks like looks like a batting order that might score some runs. Um, and you have umpteen options for bowlers for all different types types of conditions. Now that's a team that can win anywhere as long as as long as the attitude towards um, the specialist jobs that they're being asked to do remains the same as it is now, i.e. the opening batsmen are very important. Proper spin bowlers are very important. Guys who can score hundreds batting at three, four and five are very important. You know, all of, all of these things. Um, new ball bowlers, um, you know, beyond Anderson and Broad. For example, Chris Wokes not playing in, in Sri Lanka. Um, terrific. Because unless he's going to take the new ball in those sorts of conditions he's of no use to you whatsoever so it's a complete waste of time in playing Stuart Broad being left out also big call but it proved to be the right thing because there was there was no there was no job for them to do in the given the conditions that they were faced with um, and so look the smart the smart money is on England have now got an a absolute bounty of, of highly skilled players um, as Miller was saying you know Ben Folks to have, where did how do you leave that guy out next year? You know, do, do things have to change in order to accommodate having him in the team? Well, probably yes. Um, and it's 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 less about now identifying who the talented guys are. It's giving them it's giving them the proper job to do. Mm. Um, and and that way you then become a team that, that that is able to get results no matter whether you play well or badly. Whereas the way that things have been up until then is you have all these terrific players in the team, but none of them have any clue what they're supposed to do or how they're supposed to do it, yeah. and therefore you lose. I mean, case, case in point, Mo- Moeen Ali, you mentioned there. I mean, obviously, Jack Leach coming in to be that holding spinner has freed Moeen Ali up to be an attacking spinner. And that's a classic example of a guy who's clearly a talented bowler, but in a defensive role, he's been pretty terrible. But in a, an attacking role where he's allowed to, allowed to make the odd error because he's... He's bowling with aggressive lines and, and going for wickets. He's 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 he's, he's turned turned up trumps. I mean, it, it reminds me to, to a lesser degree the misuse of Phil Tufnell back in the day. I remember Phil Tufnell starting out his like career. A, it looks like a rap album. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, misuse of Phil Tufnell. Yeah, names. Lauren the Hill. Misuse of you know. Phil <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's a guy who could take five for against the Aussies. He could take seven for against uh, bowl, bowling to a victory in, in New Zealand. And then by the end of his career, he's going. He's bowling defensive lines to, to bowlers, tank him all over the place. I guess his last test, wasn't it? 2001 Oval. Um, mm. Warren gets... Eight for at the other end, he gets one for 160 and never plays again. It's just, it's just, it, it was a waste of an, of the best spin bowler of the era using him in a defensive mindset because that was what England needed of him. 
and you know, I'm not saying Moeen is is that type of bowler, but he is clearly better when he's given license to attack, and he's given license to attack because of the flexibility that England are able to bring to their their um, their the rest of their attack because of the myriad options they're given by so many all-rounders. It's a very unique situation England are in. I don't think any other team in the world can replicate the options and the balance and the squad mentality. No, well, I got. mean, you only have to look at what India did in, in Perth just recently. Mm. You know, they went from a, 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 an excellent... If, if Ashwin hadn't have been injured, they would have played three quicks and a spinner exactly the same way they did at Adelaide. But Ashwin got injured, they panicked, looked at the pitch, panicked, decided we're going to change our entire um, mode of operating and play four quicks and no spin bowler. Um, they picked the wrong... If they were going to go with four quicks, they picked the wrong one. Probably should have picked Bhuvaneshwar, but went with Umesh anyway. Um, and as a consequence, you know, the, Nathan Lyon bowled 54 overs in that test match at a, and, and went for 106 runs. He took eight wickets also, <laughs> but he went for 106 <laughs> off 54, right? Um, Umesh Yadav, the fourth bowler for India, went for 160 in 30 or something, 32. Mm. You know, and that therein is the difference. You know, the match was won by 140 runs or whatever it was. Um, the, the difference in, in terms of the match was the fact that they didn't have a bowler that could close the game down, which is what Nathan Lyon did for Australia. It allowed them um, to sort of whittle away, um, even though Virat Kohli was being brilliant. The rest of the guys weren't, weren't scoring any runs, and that's what gave, him, that gave them the control of the game. And that's, you know, that, those types of things, tactically, it's pretty boring, I suppose, but sort of tactically, if you, get the, if, you, if you don't have the right balance of bowlers who attack, bowlers who defend, batsmen who t- attack, batsmen who defend, you aren't able to control the game in the way that you would want to. Um, and, and so, you know, England look like they found a way to do that. The caveat being, of course, that Sri Lanka were hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, well, no, but I'm not, I'm not lying, am I? They, they, were, they were not very good at all. Sri Lanka um, cricket, not at, not at its highest no, ebb, I think we no. can say. However, as, as we said, all of us said before that, that series started, that England winning there would still be a huge... Absolutely. Which will be a huge, huge yeah. feather in their cap, and it is. So I'm not not taking anything away from them. Yeah. I mean, uh, total cricket is the term that's sort of been uh, uh, thrown around a bit. I mean, mm. uh, have England proved that all singing, all dancing is is the way to go? Certainly for them. Uh, are other teams going to try and uh, replicate this, or is it purely that the circumstances of, of the, the the number of gifted all rounders that England have produced? I think I think other teams are going to have to replicate it. I think it is the way the game is going to have to go because I mean, you know, they're they're. they're it is obvious that that you know the the era of the specialist, whatever that specialist may be, is is, is dwindling. I mean, you know, I always cite my favourite favourite cricketer of all time, Chris Martin, as a guy <laughs> who could not bat for toffee. You know, he was so hopeless at batting. Any any mug from a cl- club club game in the stands could have produced more with the bat than he could have done. Than the phantom. Than the phantom. <laughs> and you know, likewise, you end up you know Alistair Cook being a case in point. Here's a guy who was. Just an opening batsman, and you're talking absolute poo here. Oh, really? <laughs> so you're not picking Glenn McGrath because he can't bat? No, no, no. What I'm saying is that the era of era of of I don't think the coaching, certainly in English cricket, the coaching of kids is you don't you don't end up with with the batsman in this net, the bowlers in that net. Everyone becomes a bit of everything in this mm. day and age. So you don't end up with a situation whereby you know I was talking talking to Ed Giddens a few years ago, and he said, look, if I'd been given any coaching, I reckon I could double my average. I'd have gone from four to eight. The Phantom, if he doubled his average, he'd gone two to four, so he's a complete anomaly. <laughs> but the point is, it, it, with a little bit of input, a little bit of input at any given level, you're going to get better. And I think you've already seen that with the way that, um, well, look, Ben Folks, he's a guy who is seriously good at wicket keeping, but also seriously good at batting. And back, back in the day, maybe he would have just been a wicket keeper, he wouldn't have focused on his batting. So I think increasingly, 
I'm not saying you wouldn't play Glenn McGrath because that's a different era. I think going forward, you're going to find that there are going to be fewer out-and-out Glenn McGraths. I think there are going to be more players who are going to be able to hold a hold a bat and bowl well. The, the or, case for the the case for old-fashioned test verities and specialists. No, well, I mean, it's not. I don't think it's particularly old-fashioned. But there, there there are some people who just don't have the coordination to be able to bat very well, but can bowl like nobody's business. I don't disagree. That's, but that's, I, no, I don't disagree listen, at all. Do but not, don't, Billy Stanlake don't, is, uh, mistake, is handy with the ball. Do not uh, mistake England's um, <laughs> bounty of all-rounders with being something that's happened on purpose. I don't think I don't think it's happened on purpose. No, but I think this is what I'm saying. You know, it, it's a it, we're, it's a happy happy coincidence at the minute that the births and deaths have worked out that we've got all of these guys who can do both things very well <laughs> all around at the same time. But um, if you if you look though, look at look at the way that averages. I mean, wicketkeepers <laughs> being the ca- classic case in point because the, the the game was changed for wicketkeepers when Gilchrist yeah, came but, along. But, it's not but, enough just to be able to catch have, a ball. Anymore. We've been having this. We've been having having this row. I mean, I remember when I was a kid. You know, the mm-hmm. the, the row between Bob Taylor and, and Alan Knott. I yeah, mean, that's, of course. You know, just be, just because um, you know, over the, over the course of time. Those those wicketkeeper batsmen have become more Gilchrist-like and less Alan Knott-like. It doesn't mean that 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 situation wasn't the case back then. It, it, it it's always but been it the m- case. means that now there are fewer wicketkeepers who will even get to the well, level to I be mean, selected. I was, I was reading something. reading something that where where one of our um, one of our brethren who who does all, a lot of, of statting and all that kind of stuff and and viz all that kind of thing. Um, we're saying that actually there's an argument for absolute specialist wicketkeepers to play in T20. In games T20, that's because, a different thing. Because, no, no, but but it's kind of like it, it's a it's the modern the modern game is actually going against the idea that uh, actually going against the idea that specialists don't have a place anymore because in terms of wicketkeeping, if you don't you know, you don't need somebody to bat at number nine, ten, or eleven. If you've got somebody who's the greatest gloveman in the universe, you play him in a T Twenty game, even if they can't bat. I, don't disagree. I wrote this in two thousand four, by the way. Because so. of the runs. They, well, so, so what? I'm, so, so what you're saying and what I'm saying, we're kind of agreeing with each other, but there's a fundamental disagreement. It's a funny kind of agreement. The, <laughs> fundamental disagreement in that in that being brilliant at one thing is not a commodity that is that, that's of no use to anybody. That's I, what I completely agree with that. But all I'm saying is, I think in as as time goes by, there will be more all-rounders simply because there will be more people who are capable of doing. Look at look at Don Bess, for instance. Don Bess could could quite conceivably come back in four years' time as a batsman. He batted well enough in in in, in the Pakistan series to be a guy age twenty who comes twenty four years old. Comes the next Stephen Smith. Comes the next Stephen Smith. Exactly <laughs> that. Stephen Smith, case in point, picked as a leg spinner back in his first test in two thousand ten. And now look at him. I think I think there is a there is a, a sea change occurring in in how cricket is is taught, how cricket is played, and how batsmen, bowlers, wicketkeepers adapt to circumstances. So, and England, I think, are the vanguard of this at the moment. They are a team who have got so many options they don't even know what's hit them. Um, and and it's been fascinating to watch. Well, this is almost like we've got George in the studio, and it's the old married couple act. Um, <laughs> just not having it. <laughs> That's, that's what I we like to hear. We're very, well, I think we're very, very fortunate, and I'm leaving it at that. We are. And one thing we probably can agree on, I think, is that um, uh, certainly when it comes uh, to selection uh, overseas, England have, have finally learned uh, the folly of taking six right arm medium paces on tour and expecting yeah. them to uh, succeed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> happened. That was really, uh, Twelve months ago it was in Australia, really, really much. good, very, very good indeed. Uh, and um, then, I mean, over the course of uh, this <coughs> year, we saw changes to the team in Christchurch, where um, Moeen was dropped actually, but and Leach came in uh, as, a, as a specialist spinner. Mm-hmm. We had Mark Wood 
to bring a bit bring a bit more pace uh, on than obviously Sam Curran. Um, the left arm angle and, and a stunning mm. debut series against India, and so it's, it comes back to England's options, but but it's about using them judiciously. Um, it is I guess. absolutely. I mean, you know, again, I sort of, because it's the most recent thing I've seen. You look at the idea of having of having a, a, a big, tall, quick like Mitchell Stark creating rough outside right-handers off stumps for an off-spinner in Nathan Lyon. I mean, you know, the two the two guys go together in the team. Um, you know, as as a as entirely complementary parts to the. To the bowling attack, it's almost like you've got half an extra bowler there, in the fact that you've got one guy who is making a massive hole for the other guy to bowl the ball in. Um, you know, which is why the, the the idea of if you've got the if you have the resources to be able to pick a bowling attack that does that does everything. I mean, England had a, a leg spinner, left arm spinner, off spinner, right arm over, left arm swing. You know, they had everything. Brilliant. I mean, that, that's that's sensational. It's not always necessary, you know. England in May, whatever you kind of need to. It's simple simplicity is the right thing, but it doesn't mean you should leave a spinner out. But you know, when you're going away from home, having having different ways to unlock a, a batting lineup, um, absolutely priceless. And all these exciting options um, means for very little debate about the next uh, Test squad, which announced um, ten days ago, something like mm-hmm. that. The West Indies, um, and, and pretty much nothing to see here. No Ed Smith hunches. Well, not, and paste. I mean, Ed Smith, not Ed, even Jason Roy sneaking yeah. in up the, up the rails. Well, no, I mean, that could still happen because, um, Ollie, well, because Ollie Pope was, was selected. <laughs> no, because Ollie Pope was selected as a, as, as a spare batsman, wasn't he, on the, on the original trip? Um, in, in Sri Lanka, in Sri Lanka. Yes, so yeah. and then he's sort of uh, he's lost that he's to, to Denley, isn't he? Yeah. Off the radar, and I, you know, and I'm I'm still not. Well, folks, I suppose came in, but not 100. You know, Joe, Joe Denley, whatever. I mean, I mean I'm still think, throwing it for throwing it forward again to you know Ashes this year or Ashes away, away in um, in another three years time. Who who's more likely to be to sort of be either opening the batting or batting number three for England, Joe Denley or? Jason Roy. Just, yeah. Yeah. But it was uh, talking about Smith. Even though, though he bowls leggies as well, and of course, you know. Well, exactly, I mean, you know, every little helps. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Multi skilling. Roy needs to work on that little medium, medium pace dobbers. Well, we haven't got any of those, have we? We need one of those. He's, he's, well, he's a, he's a, he's a World Cup bolter on the back of a 4 for and a T20, and we can make it that what you will. But anyway, it was, it was fascinating that, um, that Ed Smith, in his press conference, I went down to it at Lords the other day, and he was. Absolutely anodyne. He had nothing to say at all, which is completely unlike him. He's usually he, usually says things in triplicate and, and waxes lyrical about every minute bit of selection, as if he's writing his column as he as he would have done before he was a selector. But this time, nope, I've got nothing to say about this, that, and the other, because frankly, he's got nothing to say. He's he's, he's proven he's proven all his hunches so far. He's, he's he's nailed pretty much every squad. He's got it out of one or two oddities, obviously Bess and, and maybe Pope was a little bit out of his depth on, mm. on, on the on the Schlanker tour. But by and large, the big calls, the Rashids and the Butlers, and uh, they've, they've absolutely nailed them. So, yeah, for a change, it was like, here's his squad, I've got nothing to say about it, job done. <laughs> and it's like, oh, fair play. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that in itself is remarkable that England have, have, have gone full circle coming back to what I was saying about the, the shambles they were after the New Zealand tour in, in, this time last year it was uh, you know they're, they're going into a West Indies gig with a, with a team that with a squad that's functioning you wouldn't yet be able to name that that first 11 going into into the into team because they have so many options but the squad mm. you can't argue with it and uh, that's a credit to the selector 
Now, in a collection of words that ten years ago would have sounded about as rational as Donald Trump, President of the United States, <laughs> England continued to set a blistering pace as the world's number one ranked ODI team. They won series in Australia, New Zealand and Sri Lanka, as well as beating India and Australia at home. We won't mention Scotland. Um, <laughs> they also broke their own record for the highest score in men's ODIs. Um, next year's World Cup is, of course, the prize. Butch, uh, is cricket going to finally come home? <laughs> um, I hope so. I really hope so. Um, because if it does, it, w- it will have been done in great style and probably with some uh, some nail-biting, um, you know, edge of your seat, everyone gathering around the television, um, problematic victories over Bangladesh or whatever it might be. That it, whatever happens, if England win it, it will be something that'll, uh, that will command the eyeballs of, of the nation and not just those who like cricket. So I desperately hope so. Um, lots of other good teams in it. Um, you know, our, our form and the fact that we've, we've kind of brushed aside everything that's been before us for the last couple of years guarantees nothing. Um, as, but as goodness trophy, me, yeah. you know, I mean, <laughs> we'd never ever, we'd not been able to sit here and be this positive about England at the World Cup ever. You know, well, not, si- not since, <laughs> not since we were all fooled into believing we were going to win it in 1999 because it was a bit cold. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, 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 did, that did go well. <laughs> and of course, uh, as, as happened in 99, uh, there's, there's still time for um, someone to mess it up. So, you know, change the opener on the eve of the tournament. Whatever, um, whatever uh, trick you can uh, uh, bring out of the bag, the ECB recently amended qualification rules, of mm. course, to allow a certain Jofra Archer to potentially play yeah. um, at the tournament. Well, indeed, they, they, they were very adamant. This isn't specifically to allow Jofra Archer uh, uh, no, to play, but there's a cause Is that allowed, aligned our qualification rules with with everybody else? With the ICCs, that's right, because it was seven years, right. and the ICC reduced theirs from four to three recently. So we had. Uh, carte blanche we to reduce to do the same. seven to three so suddenly having, it makes o- it look slightly less bad doesn't it uh, having only increased it from I think four <laughs> to seven about four years ago three yeah, or four years on ago the, uh, yeah. on the strength of the, the Colpac threat and now suddenly who cares about Colpacs because <laughs> we're well we're, we're, uh, we're putting up the barricades we're a global anyway. nation <laughs> we're a global trading nation great global <laughs> never mind <laughs> what could possibly go wrong yeah. but anyway coming back to the point um, Just yeah. hope none of them have to come in through Dover. That's all. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it's an important trading route. Who knew? Yeah. Um, There's water between us and France. You know. <laughs> what if you go in the tunnel? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want water you, in there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, 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 we're getting off topic, but there, <laughs> there are probably only a couple of World Cup spots up, up for grabs, aren't there? Yeah. The, the settled nature of Owen Morgan's team. Um, I mean, we, we touched on, on Denley uh, earlier. He is in this squad for the West Indies. Mark Wood is still in it. Um, um, but there is no Joffre Archer yeah. as yet. Although his qualification, I think, would only uh, be completed March. end of March. So, yeah. so it's, a, it's, it's all a bit, it's a bit tight. But, I mean, I can't see, I can't see any scenario in which Joffre Archer doesn't get into the reckoning. I, whether that means he gets into the first-choice squad is moot. I think, interesting, Owen Morgan had some 
uh, some cagey comments about it yesterday because obviously in, back in June he was very adamant that it was too late because basically he, obviously he wants to keep his squad mentality he doesn't want Mark Wood feeling feeling anxious that no. he's about to be booted out on the eve of the biggest event of his life so he's as captain he's well within his rights to sort of play down Archer's availability but as captain he's also well within his rights to think how can I not pick this guy <laughs> so so you know I, yeah. would, I would be very interested to see how it pans yeah. out whether it's a case of of you know Mark Wood's injury record is such that he may not be fit come the start of the tournament or will break down at some stage during the tournament. The, I would the, imagine the more 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 pertinent than his injury record is just the fact that he's been there. Well, then there's That's that been as well. The, you know when he has played, um, it's, he's not exactly made an, uh, uh, you know an unanswerable case for himself to be in the side. And uh, the other enforcer, sort of middle over wicket taker guy in Liam Plunkett, who's you know, thirty whatever he is, thirty four. He's on the older side. And I said before, <laughs> I think before the tour, before the Sri Lanka tour, I kind of said that he was his performances had, had concerned me slightly, and that the pace seemed to have been. You know, he's on the he's on the wrong side of the hill mm. basically, and the pace was starting to look like it was going off a little bit. And and the one thing that made him an absolute asset. Um, in the in the middle overs is perhaps not quite as sharp as it once was. Yeah. Now, um, you know, we'll, we'll get the chance to see in the West Indies when the, with these um, with the one day internationals whether or not that was just a bit of a blip, whether or not Mark Wood, uh, you know, is suddenly eye catching and, and stunningly quick and, and aggressive and and taking wickets again. But if they're not, then this guy ticks every single one of those boxes. Well, that's bowl, a, bowl that's the middle thing. can bowl at the death. is quick, smashes it out of the park brilliant athlete I mean it's kind of like there isn't anything that he can't do Bowls left arm spin I saw it like, and so, and <laughs> did if, you see that on, did somebody posted a thing of him at a training session for one of the big bash squads and he just you know, the, the caption was left arm over please and he, and he just kind of ran <laughs> up beautiful left arm over left yes. arm over action like perfectly coordinated and everything I was like I mean, this is just not fair lad is just seriously I mean, talented I mean multi-skills that's what England like yeah, there we go see see, see you're, even you're agreeing with that but you know the, the, the one the one thing I suppose that, that they're slightly concerned about well I don't know whether they are but officially they don't want to Rack, rock the boat and upset the, the squad mentality. But the, but the one thing you can't can't ignore is that as a Rajasthan Royals player, he is already a teammate of two of the most fundamentally important players in, in Butler and Stokes. You know, he's a guy who is already you know completely enmeshed within the within mm. the, the lads who will be fundamental to England's victory. So it's not as if they're just whistling some some random who no one's ever met and dumping him into the into the fray KP mm. style, say um, back in two thousand five. But he's bloody good. He is bloody good. <clears throat> And I, I can't see why England wouldn't want to to lean lean on his. And that is the only. It's the only spot. And we're sort of talking about the, the squad as a whole. It's the only spot where there is a, a question mark over. Mm. How, is that quite as rock solid as it needs to be? Everything else is probably you know. There's, there's two players for each for each place probably everywhere else. The other, the other but for the but for the sort of searing pace. Um, mayhem maker. That's the one. The other, the one thing I, the other reason have. I would I would Always I would match him. Oh yeah. The other reason I would vouch for him is that it feels very much like when England won the um, World Cup in in the rugby back in uh, back in 2003. It was it felt as though that team was unquestionably the best in the world, but they were they had peaked a year earlier they, when they beat New Zealand. They won in New, New Zealand. Zealand. Yeah. I mean they, that was that was them at their absolute zenith, and come the World Cup they were clearly on the decline, as we saw by the way they dis- they disintegrated very soon afterwards. So you know. Uh, you know, Martin Johnson never played again, etc. It's may, maybe not exactly the same, but it is similar in the trajectory of the side. I would say since 2005, they probably peaked last year. 
2015. Uh, 2015, even. <laughs> yeah, I've, got, I've got KP on the mind. But 2015, they, they had this lovely trajectory, <laughs> and perhaps they are just a little bit less outstanding than they were last year, but throw Joffre Archer in as a new new spark of, 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 of brilliance, that may be what they need just to, just to not just spark himself, but the rest of the squad to higher levels. You know, just, mm. just inject everyone with that sense of, well, there's someone someone really challenging here. We've got to be absolutely on our on our metal. There's nothing wrong, as we've already seen in the test squad, absolutely nothing wrong with pressure for places. It, it's a good thing and the best best way to get create pressure for places is to pick the best players available. Well, there certainly is that competition in, in the one-day setup. One player who, who isn't in the, the 15 currently, um, I'm sure he'd like to play at the World Cup, but uh, Sam Curran, he, he nevertheless has had a, a decent week, uh, <laughs> <laughs> picked up for a million dollars in the IPL auction. Um, 800,000. Uh, pounds or, or uh, what was it? Eight crore, yeah. It was yeah, yeah. worth twice as much in March. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a lot of moolah. Um, yeah, even more, even more in March. <laughs> um, Bearstow, uh, Johnny Bearstow, Joe Denley, Liam Livingston will be a, a teammate at Radisson Royals who already touched on uh, the Stokes, Butler, Archer axis there. Harry Gurney got a deal as well. Um, although a number of players were overlooked in part due to the limited availability uh, in advance of, of the World Cup. But um, these will be, I think these five will be debutants. It, it can't hurt to have a few more players experience the IPL. Bloody hell no, absolutely <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't hurt them, for sure. Um, but no, it's... it's um, yeah. Joss Butler's sort of re-emergence was more than, more than in part due to um, you know, what he did for Registrar Morals last year. And it's, you know, it's a jamboree of the, the best players in the world. You go out there and you stand out in that, then um, there's a very good chance that you're going to be playing international cricket to a high level. Uh, and it's, it's as simple as that, really. I mean, it's the argument that KP made that got him fired, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> KP was right. And it's, you know, it's, no, it's, it's undeniable, <laughs> isn't it? That if, you, if you're going to go, if you're going to go and play in that, um, in that atmosphere, um, when the stakes are as high as they are, Money flying around, crowds as big as they are, and you do well, then you can obviously play. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can agree, Sam Curran can play. Well, but I is mean, he is he worth a million bucks in T Twenty? Well, yeah. on that note, mm. on that note, I mean, talking exactly what you're saying there, but flipping it round the other way, the probably the 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 quote that got him the money was Virat Kohli's comments after the Oval Test, um, the end of the series, when when he was explaining why they'd chosen him as player of the series, mm. he, he pointed out that in the two crunch matches, the first test and the fourth test, when the series was basically to be set up and to be decided, it was Sam Curran who came bundling out the blocks in the, with the bat. Two tough situations, smoked it everywhere, showed he had the, he had the metal for mm. the pressure situation. That, that is exactly what Butch is talking about in the other, other way. If you prove it in the IPL, you can do it in tests. He's done it the other way. He's proved it in tests. Yeah. Yeah, the, I, the interesting thing, I suppose, in terms of his, his worth um, in, in the IPL um, is that it's unlikely, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's unlikely he's going to find himself batting sort of top four or five for the franchise. And it's also, and, and it's therefore slightly, uh, slightly worrying if he then gets brought into the side of somebody that might bowl at the new ball or might bowl at the death because that's the one side of it in T20 cricket where you'd say well he's, he's a bit vulnerable there mm-hmm. um, and so you know it'd be just really interesting to see how they use him um, and having paid that amount of money you'd imagine that they, that they want to but um, you know 
it was it was with the bat that he, he caught Cody's eye. I mean, timing with with selection and, and, and sort of the money that you go for in, in IPL auctions over the years is absolutely vital. You know, there was a, I think there was a fella who who hit five sixes and over or something that nobody had ever heard of suddenly got picked up for half a yes, million dollars. Shivam Dubu. Right. Okay. So, well, there you go. Doobie so it's just you know, if you, if you happen to do something, you know, in the week leading up to the auction and everybody's writing about it, you stand half a decent chance. Um, which is not to say that it's um, that it doesn't that the market itself doesn't uh, doesn't present some truth in terms of what your value is as a, as a cricket player. But it, there is also a certain amount of um, um, how would you call it? There's a bit of showbiz in there too. But Sam Sam has been Sam has been picked up because he impressed the Indian captain, and he is the most powerful cricketer on earth. So. And he'll look good on billboards. Yes, he will. <laughs> he will. But it is interesting though that, that you know on on in pure white ball merit, I, I, I still think Tom Curran and certainly England do because he's in their one day plans. I still mm. think Tom Curran is the better bowler uh, at this stage of his career. Yeah, so, hence, hence my slight concern yeah, about yeah. what how how they use him and what his and what his actual what his actual um, his strongest point is in T Twenty cricket. Yeah, perhaps ironically, there's there's more place to specialist in T20 where if you can just bowl your four overs and get them done, mm. uh, you might not have to bat. You know, mm. a, a, and if you're the the man at the top of the order that can reliably whack fifty or thirty balls or whatever, um, but you need to field. Um, and and uh, away from the IPL, but um, sticking with sort of uh, T20 global franchise fun. As it, as it is, undoubtedly, um, we've got Joe Root in the in the Big Bash, yes. which is sort of uh, a, a little bit under the radar and probably uh, uh, sort of a, a side issue with when it comes to England's World Cup hopes. But well, twenty twenty um, is now uh, only a year or so away, or actually it might be two years, but it's it's, it's uh, yeah. in twenty twenty, yeah. uh, and Root will obviously be um, looking to. to Squeeze in some T20. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, he found himself you know, around like on the outside of that team, and, didn't and he? The, I mean, he found himself uh, outside of England's T20 side. He did, yeah. Um, and, I, and he didn't get picked up in the IPL auction last time. It would do him the world of good to be in that because, as well as you know, aside from being one of the more sort of high-profile international cricketers around and averages fifty and all that kind of stuff, top five Test batsmen in the world. Um, you know, he would have he would have felt as on a, per, a very personal level. That he's kind of missing out on all of the good, you know, the guys coming back into his dressing room, um, you know, laughing and joking, not about the cash, but you know, about and talking about the teammates and what they've done and where they've been in, in terms of their franchises. And he's not had a taste of any of that yet. And uh, you know, he's certainly um, high profile enough to have done and good enough to have done. And so it's something missing from his CV at the moment. And I think it'll be it'll do him the world of good to go out there and experience it. Um, and I have, I have absolutely no doubt that he'll come back, back better for the experience too. I mean, I, I was out there in Mumbai when he paced, paced that chase against South Africa in the World T20, mm. chase, chasing 230, and he walked it uh, mm. with 80, 80 odd from 60, I think it was. But nonetheless, it was it was stunning, stunning evidence of of their of how that role still is relevant. A guy who can work the singles and then manipulate the fours. He's not he's not got the power. Which um, which is something that he's admitted himself, but he's got the he's got the game brain to to milk milk the balls, get the get the, the big hitters back on strike, which is what he did so well when when he had uh, Jason Roy and, and Co in, going great guns the other end. I mean, he's you know he he's he's as, he's as complete a batsman as I've ever seen as, a, as an England player. It, it makes no sense for him not to be complete across all three formats I, mm. I, I think this hopefully will do him good I mean this morning it was what was he seven, 19 from 17 balls so he can't really can't really tell much from his first outing but there was only one four 
and clearly a lot of singles. So you know, he's, he's yeah, he doesn't want to keep that up. No, that needs to go. He's got yeah. to stop. <laughs> but but he will. But the great thing about it is he'll get the chance to be to be there as a as a member of the squad as a as aside from being sort of like a you know so which means he'll have the time to kind of to do some work on his own game for a little while to work a few work on a few things to to improve on a few things to actually sort of take a bit of a bit of me time for the England captain. You know? <laughs> all, all good. Me yeah. time. I was getting paid for it. Lovely. Think about that. Uh, me time on the uh, globe-trotting <laughs> treadmill of uh, T20 <laughs> franchises. Um, well, we are we are almost done with our festive uh, switching, but as it's uh, it's end of year, so I think it's only appropriate that we we finish with a quiz. Um, I've got I've got a couple of uh, magnificent prizes just fetched off off the desk <laughs> in, in the office. So the the winner will get this um, lovely Christmas cracker hat, which nice. I'm crinkling for uh, for the benefit of the listeners. And the loser gets Shane Warne's autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> um, the format, you know, traditional uh, fastest finger first for some of these. So you know, just, just shout your answer. Yeah, <laughs> and not too hard though. Uh, <laughs> you might get dock points. I reserve that right. Uh, at all, some might be just closest uh, to uh, to the answer. Uh, best guess wins. Uh, I do have a tiebreaker lined up if it's needed. Do we need to buzz or no shout? Chance. Uh, it, I'm, sh- gonna, I'm just going to send this toe. <laughs> just, just, just <laughs> shout your answer. But you might have to, uh, you might have to think about them. So you know, mm-hmm. don't shout the wrong answer. I'm going to take your first answer. Okay, right. So here we go. How many ODIs did England lose in 2018? Three. Incorrect. Two. <laughs> Incorrect. Uh, it was six. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, so Miller will get well, it. Never. They weren't quite as invincible. One against Australia. A couple to New Zealand. New Zealand Everyone forgets about New Zealand. You committed a cardinal sin, but you do take the point, Miller. So remember, this is this is all of 2018, and this is going back some way. What was England's score after 6.2 overs in in the Adelaide ODI? This was a hell of a collapse, is the clue. Uh, 80 for none. You've gone the wrong way. <laughs> um, 79 for none. <laughs> they were 8 for 5. Yes! This oh, was the... <laughs> oh, I was closest. <laughs> so, so you're both spectacularly wrong. I knew but, I was going to be closest. But, I don't know how I knew, but, but I knew. Uh, but shambolically, Butch gets the point. Yes. Uh, in the Auckland test, when England bowled out for 58, who top scored? This is a roaring success so far. Mm, oh my God. <laughs> All I remember about that test was waking up and it just felt wrong because the wrong team were batting. And I thought, that How can't that be happen? right. <laughs> um, who top scored? Uh, I'm sure not I might have to. Root got a blob, didn't he? I'm going to go for. Oh, God. Or even play. I'm going to time you out here. Uh, Wopes. Craig Overton, 33 not out. Moving on. You've got to improve here. They're going to get more recent. (laughs) Who batted number four against Pakistan at Headingley? Now, this might be a trick question. (laughs) Um, Dominic Bess. Correct. 
up yours. <laughs> <laughs> Second point for Miller. Uh, he's he's two one edged into the lead. Um, this will be this will be again closest to to the correct figure, I suspect, uh, on the evidence thus far. How many sixes did England hit in their world record four hundred eighty one six at Trent Bridge? Sixteen. Eighteen. Not, not right. Twenty one. So again, oh. Miller Miller pulls into a lead. <laughs> How many overs did the Lord's Test against India last in total? Again, closest, uh, closest uh, it, uh, gets it. 190. Uh, 120. Butch gets that one. Uh, it was 170.3. It was, a, a, it was effectively a two-day test uh, stretched over four days. So 3-2. Who was the last man to dismiss Alistair Cook in Test Cricket? Damn it. And you've just been watching him uh, play again, uh, Butch. Caught behind. I can picture it. (gasps) (laughs) Uh, No, although he did take his wicket many times in that series. Oh, I didn't play bo- it. Both you both struck oh, out. Hanama Vihari. Oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, but we're still shocker. we're still very close. We're going to the final straight here. How many overseas tests without a win for England before victory in Gaul? Nine. Oh no. <laughs> right here we go. Right, oh so, no. So um, five. That that is six, incorrect. I'm not going to say which way, mm, but. Six. Uh, Six plus five is so, thirteen. Spot on. Correct. So, uh, so you've got you've got to get these last two to pull it back, Butch. Okay. Um, this one again. Uh, <laughs> best guesses. <laughs> Did England score uh, more hundreds in ODIs or tests, and, and by what margin? Uh, either way. In, in twenty eighteen. Yeah. Two more in ODIs and tests. I think that's wrong. Um, it was definitely more, but by how many? I was thinking we had a few. It was a bit of a catch-up. Folks and Bairstow closed the gap a bit. I think, think it's wrong, but she going higher. I'm going higher by one. So four more in uh, three more in three ODIs. More. Four more in ODIs. Ooh. So Butch nails it. Um, <laughs> he's got, but he's got to get this one. <laughs> Uh, uh, <laughs> so this is the, this is oh this is a big one. How many international matches between caps for Joe Denley when he returned oh. in <laughs> in the T uh, twenty? How many international matches for England did he miss between his uh, last cap in two thousand and uh, nine? I think it was and coming back in the Colombo T twenty uh, in November. Four hundred thirty four. Jesus, that's a lot. No, I was thinking about three hundred and thirteen. You, you're both you both missed the mark by I think Miller's slightly closer. No, three hundred and eighty-four. And you wrote a piece about it. I did. Yeah. I, I, I knew there was a four in there somewhere. So congratulations. Oh, well, there we go. Thanks. Oh, the victim right. spoils to the loser, uh, Warney. That's the Christmas spirit we like to see. Uh, and that's about it uh, for one year. Enough talking turkey. It's time to think about eating it. Uh, my thanks to Butch Miller. They'll be back for more in the new year uh, when we'll be looking forward to England's Caribbean jaunt. Uh, until then, Merry Christmas to all. And thanks for listening to the Swedish podcast.
Oh, oh, oh.